0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: A few weeks ago, we saw the look of evil when the terrorist group Hamas brutally massacred over 1,500 Israeli citizens, shooting and hanging babies on fences, raping daughters, killing other children, setting people on fire, decapitating others, and not allowing the elderly hostages to have any of the medicine they need to be able to stay alive or the ones who've been wounded to get the medical attention they need. How can a civilized world allow such atrocities? Where does this type of evil and hatred come from? Well, I'm reminded of Rodney King, who was quoted during the L.A. riots of 1992. He said, can't we just all get along? That would be really nice. But it can only happen when people respect one another, honor each other as having value and significance, and loving one another. Now that comes from a Christian worldview, but unfortunately the Christian worldview is waning, being replaced by evil. I'm Debbie Blank, wanting to look today into the Bible to understand love and hate, and then to examine our own lives to see if we're following Christ's example or worldly desires. Are we following the attitude of love or are we allowing hate to enter our lives and be the catalyst for the decisions that we make? And I'm co-host
0: Jackie Sailors. Ancient Muslim military leaders and modern terrorists alike have taunted their enemies with a statement about love that is actually meant to spur aggression in their troops and fear in their enemies. It's this, we love death more than you love life. So what does it mean to love death more than life? What evil force? A force that loves death and destruction could be behind such a statement. What kinds of atrocities could be spurred by such arrogance? On the other hand, Jesus Christ teaches his followers something very different. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Which of these two statements express hate and which expresses real love? Which idea could ultimately bring life and peace to the entire world?
1: Jackie, I'm glad you gave that statement where the Muslims say, we love death more than you love life. You see, if you look at scripture from the very beginning in Genesis, you see that God made mankind because he loves us. He has a heart for us to love one another, to love ourselves too, so that we can love one another. God is all about love. And he wants us to be that way also, not to hate and not to glorify death. Yes, when we die, we're told by Paul to live as Christ, to die as gain because we get to go be with Jesus. But he wants us to live our lives to the fullest here on earth so that we may be Jesus to other people and show the love of Christ. He doesn't want us to glorify death and become suicide bombers or commit suicide killing ourselves in order to take out other people. That is not the God of the Bible. That's the God Allah. We have to make that distinction very clear because we do not follow the same gods in this world. If you look at Allah, he's a God of hate and death and destruction. And our God is a God of love and mercy and compassion. There's other gods that people follow in this world that also are different from the God of the Bible. So we do not all follow the same God. We need to decide who it is we're going to follow. And we do that by going into the word of God and getting to know our God. When I first became a believer, one of the best things I learned as I read the Bible was who God really is. He's not the God that I was brought up to believe in religion because my God of religion followed the religion and the things that the religion taught us instead of teaching us biblical principles. Yes, I learned a lot of biblical principles from that religion, but I learned a lot of things that were man-made about God that really weren't accurate. The only place we can get to know the true God of this world, the God of love, the God who sees each one of us as value, who created us in our mother's wombs, is to open the Bible and read about this wonderful God that we have
0: One of the first things I remember learning as a little girl about God was that God was love. He was the source of all love, and he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. So he sent a son to sacrifice himself. We don't have to give our life for him. He already gave his life for us, whereas you mentioned suicide bombers and people giving their lives in that manner as a sacrifice to Allah in order to take other people's lives out. So we think of God as being love, being the creator, being the one who creates life, and then to think that we would disrespect life and think that we could just take it away like that in such gruesome ways that we've been shown here lately is total disrespect for the God of life, the God that created each
1: life. God tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but the key is that we were made in his image. Each one of us is important. That's why he tells us in Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. God says that when man's blood is shed, there must be an alternative because man is so important to God that he created that alternative, which we know to be the death penalty in our country. If a person purposely kills someone unprovoked, that's the death penalty, or it used to be. They've taken that away in most states. When you look at what Hamas did, it was unequivocal evil. It was the killing of innocent people. There's a place in scripture for manslaughter, which is if you kill someone accidentally, then you have a different requirement that isn't that you be put to death. God allows for that, and certainly in war, When there is a war to defend ourselves, then you have to kill the enemy or you can't defend yourself. God allows for that in scripture also. All of that because he knows how important mankind is to him and how valuable each person is. Therefore, each one of us must value life, not hate life as the Samas do.
0: I was just thinking about examples of respect for life and cultures that respect life so much that they might do something disproportionate. And I'm thinking of Gilad Shalit, who was an Israeli soldier who was kidnapped and held for five years and four months. When he was finally released, what they had done was they exchanged him for 1,027 Palestinian and Arab-Israeli prisoners. It was one life For 1027, that's the way that they valued that particular individual life.
1: We in America have a value for life, for our own life as well as others. However, we're seeing that change a lot. When we take God out of the culture and out of this world, then we take love out of it. And hate comes in and murders. I've been amazed as I read the World Herald at several things that are going on in there, but one of them is consistently a listing of a murder that took place in Omaha or someone being sentenced for murder in this area. And Omaha is a really good area. And yet we're seeing that here because the values have changed. There was an article in the Omaha world Herald just a few weeks ago about how people are turning away from religion. Now they're becoming nuns. We've talked about nuns before, and that's not N-U-N-S, that's N-O-N-E-S. And those are people who have no religious affiliation. Now, they might consider themselves spiritual, but if you have no religious affiliation, you have no foundation of what you believe. Everybody has this soul inside of them that yearns for something spiritual. But there's a lot of spiritual things out there that aren't from God. There's a lot of new age activity, there's cults, there's other religions that turn to other gods that don't match up with the guide of the Bible. And some people might say, well, how do you know the God of the Bible is the real true God? Well, because he teaches all the right things. He is the creator God. This world did not evolve from an explosion out in space at one time or another. Everything in the Bible makes sense to me. And it's not just because I believe it. It's because this world could not exist without our creator God, without a God who made each one of us distinctly, without a God who loves us, without a God who's given us direction and guidance and shows us the difference between right and wrong. We have a God who does that. Most other religions don't. I feel bad and I hurt for those people who have no religious affiliation because they don't know the joy of having a relationship with God. They don't know what love is versus hate. They just go by what they learn in this world or what they see or what they hear from their friends. If that doesn't change, this country is going to be held accountable for turning away from God and turning to follow the desires of our own hearts but the Bible, does it talk about hate or does it only talk about love? The fact of the matter is the Bible does talk about hate. There's two definitions, one real Greek word, but two definitions for this word. The Greek word is misao, And it means one thing, which is to detest for persecution. And an example of that is Matthew 24, 9 then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. There it's talking about a hate that other people have toward us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Never does God mention in scripture hating other people, even the unlovely, even terrorists like Hamas. We are not supposed to hate them. We're to pray for them because they are still human beings. So the hatred that's mentioned in the scriptures is other people towards us as we follow Jesus. And then there's a hatred that's mentioned, and that means to love less. So it's not the hatred that we think where we pour out and detest other people. We simply need to love them less than we do ourselves. An example of that is in Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, you read that and think, I don't want to hate my family. And I certainly don't want to hate myself. And that's when we have to look at the context to see what the meaning is. And the meaning is that we need to love our family and ourselves and everyone else less than we love Jesus. We don't hate them. We don't treat them with animosity. We simply put Jesus first and everyone else must come afterwards. So that word for hate means to love
0: less. And we know that other parts of the Bible do tell us to love our family, honor our mother and father, love our children, take good care of them. There are so many scriptures that counteract the superficial reading of that verse so you do really need to scratch your head and go well that doesn't make sense with the rest of the bible well if it doesn't then there's a reason for that and that's the translation of that word
1: we must take everything in the bible and match it up with other aspects of the bible because from genesis all the way to the revelation it matches up completely and if it doesn't then we're reading it wrong we're understanding it wrong we're misunderstanding the original languages so, is there ever a time for Christians to hate? Not to hate people, as I said. Should we hate, or as the one definition is, should we detest something for persecution's sake? And the answer is yes. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 and 8 say there's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Now, in that passage, there are 14 contrasting times and seasons of life, and it tells us that one of them is a time to love and a time to hate. So when do we hate? We hate evil. Psalm 9710 says, hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserve the souls of his godly ones. So you and I, if we love the Lord, we must love what God loves and we must hate what God hates. And what God hates is evil. He hates actions that are derived from an evil heart and an evil spirit. Evil has no place in heaven. It has no place with God. So since God hates evil, you and I should hate evil also. Proverbs 8.13 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and their perverted mouth. That's a lot that we're to hate. But if we love God, we need to love the things of God and hate the things of the world.
0: Well, it doesn't make any sense to love evil. That's the opposite of anything that God stands for. So we are to hate evil, it just has to be that way. He shows us the different ways that we are to hate. When you talked about not hating people, but hating the evil, hating the deeds, it made me think of Ephesians six, where it says, and verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where the evil comes from. So we're to deal with that at its source. That's what God tells us to do.
1: Jesus tells us in John 10:10, 10, 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. When you're looking at killing, stealing and destroying, that's exactly what Hamas did to the Israelites. That's what Satan does. That's who he is. He's the evil one. He comes to kill. He kills physically, but he also kills spiritually. He wants to keep us away from having a relationship with God and he comes to steal. He wants to steal our joy our lives. Oftentimes he wants to steal anything that we have that would draw us to God and to destroy. He has nothing good in mind for us. He wants us destroyed. Jesus says of him in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand on the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. When we look at evil, we're looking at Satan. Anything that Satan has that he perpetrates on mankind is evil. Now, also understand that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light because he wants sometimes for us to be deceived into thinking something is good when in fact it's evil. The only way to be able to differentiate that is to understand God and his word. So we not only hate evil, we hate sin and sin is perpetrated by temptations from Satan. In Proverbs thirteen five, it says the righteous hates falsehood, but the wicked brings shame and disgrace. So we hate falsehood if we have a right relationship with God and falsehood is sin. Psalm 711 reminds us, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. In other words, God hates sin. He cannot allow sin into heaven. That's why he sent his son to show the love that God has for us by conquering sin and death through death on the cross and then the resurrection. God is a righteous judge. Therefore. He will judge sin and sinners at the proper time. He will also reward those who are righteous. We need to hate sin by not excusing it, by ignoring it, by fleeing from it, as Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy six eleven. So we have to first say no to sin and hate it and see it as being an anathema to God, seeing it as being something that separates us from God and then turn away from it so that we can pursue the right things with god
0: that's where our culture has gotten into trouble we used to know better we used to know what sin was it was pretty clear we read the bible we knew what god considered sin and he is the arbiter of sin it's not for us to decide whether something is sin or not we have someone who is all wise and can tell us and he's the only one that has the right to tell us what sin is. When we start judging ourselves and deciding that this sin isn't so bad, we see a culture just sliding downhill. Things that were an abomination, and that's a word that comes up that the Lord uses many times. Terrible sin happens, and we can see in our culture the things that are accepted today that are an abomination
1: to the Lord. Another thing that God hates is idolatry. He's a jealous God from the very beginning in the commandments. He said, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." You can look at what the Jews did from the moment they started following the Baal gods at Peor. They followed them all the way through the Old Testament. God hates idolatry. You can read about that in Jeremiah 44, or in Deuteronomy 12:31. He also hates hypocrisy. If God hates these things, then we ought to also. In Isaiah 1, 14 to 17, he says, I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Well, God called them to have their new moons and their festivals, but they were using them for the wrong reasons, not to worship God, but just to do them on the outward sign. How many times have you prayed the Our Father, where you just do it from rote, from memory, without really thinking about what you're saying and praying along the process. When Jesus gave his disciples the Our Father, it was supposed to be a template that they were to use to dig deeper in prayer with God. But we use it just as this icon that we can say it and think that everything is going to be okay. Well, that's what they were doing in the Old Testament. That's how they were being hypocrites by saying one thing and doing another or acting holy when in fact they weren't. And the final thing, which I've actually already mentioned, is that we're to hate things that the Lord hates. In Proverbs six sixteen through 19, he says, there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who others lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers." God makes it very clear that we are to hate things, things that go against God and his word. We are never to hate people. We never see that in scripture. Instead, as we've talked about, the message of God is that of love. First John 4, 7 says, beloved, let's love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then further in verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. Now, I got to tell you, I don't think it's really easy to love the Hamas and what they did to Israel and are continuing to do. But God tells me I am to love them. So I find myself praying for them as I pray for the innocent people in Israel, because that's who Jesus is. And that's what he's called us to do. You recall that Jesus summed all Ten Commandments up into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And our neighbor isn't just our friend, isn't just our family. Our neighbor is everyone. It's
0: so important to know that because he loved us, we can love others. We are all sinners with sin in our past. And yet we were able to come to him and receive forgiveness, receive grace that we didn't deserve and get forgiveness. So we need to look at others in that same way, the way that God looks at them as people who might be saved. And so that's what's so important about praying for them. There are a lot of things we can't do, but there are a lot of things that God can do. With God, nothing is impossible.
1: Love and hate is a spiritual battle. It's evil versus good. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, according to Romans 5, 8. And he tells us also in John thirteen I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He's our example. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's our savior. And we are called to imitate him to press on toward the goal of the upward prize of knowing Jesus Christ See, even if it's not easy we are to follow it and follow Jesus he tells us in Luke 6:27 but i say to you who hear love your enemies do good to those who hate you i heard a story of one older couple in the kibbutz in israel who prayed for their captors, who gave them food, and who treated them respectfully. That takes a lot of courage. Did they make it through because they displayed love? Perhaps. These are not necessarily Jewish believers, but they displayed the love of the God of the Bible. Again, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. We do this not because we feel like it or even want to, but because that's what we're called to do, to be more like Jesus and to obey him. So we have to understand in an overview of all of this, that those who perpetrate these horrible acts of evil are not following the God of the Bible because our God does not call for hate or indiscriminate murder of civilians. God loves and values everyone so much that there must be a consequence when innocent lives are taken. However, when you have terrorist groups like Hamas, those are merely Islamic fundamentalists who put no value on life, not for themselves or others. They're simply a death cult. And those who follow a cult of death are following Satan because Satan is the father of death, the cult of death. Keep in mind, as an Egyptian journalist said, this is an Arab. He said, feelings of frustration and rage don't make you into a terrorist. A culture of death and education of hate does. And that's how these terrorists are raising the people and the members of their families and their cohorts and their civilians around them. So as followers of Jesus Christ, what are we to do? We are to follow Jesus. We are to love one another even if we don't want to. Now that doesn't mean that we allow evil or hatred or atrocities to go unpunished. God brought punishment on the Jews when they turned away from him and followed idolatry. God disciplines us when we walk away from him. But when it comes to war, we need to protect ourselves and our families. Nowhere does God hate people. Nowhere does God call us to hate people. Keep in mind, Jesus even forgave those who crucified him. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're to do the same. If we're dealing with wrong feelings towards family members or employers, church members, or even hatred towards those who've heard us, it's time to take that to God. Because God does not want us to hate anyone, but to love them. That means if we have ill feelings towards people, we need to ask God to forgive us of that. And then we need to pray for them so that we can accept God's forgiveness and therefore forgive others who've hurt us. I want to end with Philippians three thirteen and 14, where Paul admonishes us forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we forget the pain and the hurt. We give it up to God. We may remember it in our minds, but we need to give up the feelings and the animosity. And instead, we're called to press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus then and only then will we have a heart of God an attitude of God and a life filled with the love of God that's what he wants for us and that is the way that we can have a great abundant life here on earth that Jesus promises us
0: thank you for joining us today on living word ministries with Debbie Blank